salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I'm your host, the Kamish, and I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas again. I hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas. And for those that did not celebrate Christmas, I hope that you had a happy holiday nonetheless. Uh, today starts Kwanzaa, so for those that celebrate Kwanzaa, happy Kwanzaa to you. Uh, happy Hanukkah, those that celebrate Hanukkah and so forth. Uh, it has been a heck of a year. And, and maybe heck is probably the wrong. The truth of the matter, it's really been a hell of a year. You know, I, I try to kind to, you know, soften my words here. But let's face it, 2020 has been a hell of a year. When you think about everything that has started from January, from the death of Kobe Bryant to where we are right now, to the last Saturday of the year, I am I'm at a loss of words on how, how much misfortune has covered this country. And misfortune may be the the softest or the lightest word that I can describe when we think about what we've been impacted with, with the COVID, with coronavirus and the politics with Trump and his antics and um, the way we've seen people tragically lose their lives in large part because of COVID. Uh, We've seen a number of protests. We've seen people die due to racial injustice. We have witnessed so many things within the span of 12 months. It's amazing how this country still manages to persevere. It, It, I can't say that for everyone. I think there are many people that are alive today that suffer their own fates. And I do believe there are people that maintain that struggle every day that they wake up. And it's it's back to what I said before about it being the biggest misfortune when you think about the year 2020, because it felt like at some point nothing was working. It felt like nobody was listening to our cries. Nobody was really paying attention to what we had to go through with our families, with our friends, and even now with the economy and how they reluctantly decide to pass a bill to allow people to at least receive a stimulus check for the amount of $600. It's a travesty. It's a joke in how they handle people that have lived in this country for such a long time. There's very little that could be said right now as to how it's been managed to this point. And perhaps it's indicative of where we are as a collective group of citizens in this country as we move forward into the new year because we want to see change we want to we want to feel as though whatever happened this year cannot possibly get any worse in 2021 if anything i think hope brings such a light to everyone when you think about where we've been what we've been through, where we've been through, and who we've been through in these matters and during these moments in time where everything looked its darkest. And, you know, with change comes good, at least for the most part, when you think about change, that's exactly what it is we're trying to do. We're trying to make the good out of what's been bad. And, you know, I had a radio show a few years ago and I, I harped a lot on 
Black History Month and the changes that black people had to persevere with after the passing of blacks being allowed to vote and being freed from slavery. And one of these quotes that stuck in my mind is from Albert Einstein when he says that the world as we created it is a process of our thinking. It cannot be changed without changing our thinking. We all have a job to do, ladies and gentlemen, whether we want to accept that or not. I know that there are many of us that feel as though free will really controls a lot of what we say and do. But there are so many things in the world that we can do for the better of everybody else that it really sets the precedent of where we are and what we need to do to better ourselves as citizens of this great country. It's the reason why so many people break their necks and, 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 and go through so much um, hostility, travesty. They, they go through tragedy to get to this country for a chance at a new life because of change. It's necessary. It's something that comes with life. You know, there was a saying that said evolve or die or something to that effect, adapt or die. And this is something I heard recently. And the truth of the matter is this is where we are. If we don't adapt to the times, if we don't adapt or find a way to evolve from what's happening, we are going to find ourselves in a similar fate. And so we, we see how we were affected by the virus. And now we see the vaccinations coming in at the end of the year. We see how things have been mishandled economically to where there are many of us that are just struggling to put money together to at least support our families during Christmas time. This is where we are. And we can make such a better change for ourselves and a better uh, environment for most of our young ones that just don't understand what's happening in this time. So it's up to us. It's, it's up to this generation, people about my age, I'm, I'm within my late 40s, to understand what's in front of us and to make good on 2021. And it's unfortunate that we had to go through so much heartache to get to this point. But I have to believe with what's happening right now, things will get better. And I know for sure things will definitely get better on this podcast, the Kneel Down podcast. I want to thank everyone that has been listening to this show to this point. I make it my best. I make it my darndest to make sure that every show is enjoyable, informative, somewhat funny educational, whatever you want to categorize it as. It's important to me that the people that listen understand that I'm just like you. I see a lot of things that happen on sports or in politics, and it's only right that we talk up on it. This is what this country is about, free speech. And with that being said, I want to go into the NBA. I don't know how many people watch the NBA. Start this past Tuesday. We had games on on Friday, five games in particular that <laughs> really didn't blow my mind. But, you know, you look at the results of these games. None of these games were close. None of them were anywhere within 10 points. I mean, these were all blowouts. If you ask me, none of these teams had a chance. The losing teams were got, got smacked up on Christmas. You know, we saw the Pelicans lose to the Heat. We saw the Warriors lose pitifully to the Milwaukee but it really show for the Golden State Warriors it really shows how crucial how detrimental it is to lose a Clay Thompson 
And Clay Thompson may not necessarily uh, be the deciding factor for this team, for the for the Warriors. But you think that Kevin Durant decided to leave a few years ago and the Warriors probably felt in their mind, hey, listen, we can move on with Kevin Durant. We did it before without him. We could do it again. And then Clay Thompson tears his knee in the, the series against Toronto in the finals. And so we wait and we wait to see if Clay Thompson is going to be the Clay Thompson of old. And then he tears his Achilles. And before long, we're back to the question of what can this Golden State Warriors team do? And you know, even with Steph Curry out there and this revised team, for what they for what they look like against the Bucks, they really looked as though they needed another week or so of uh, uh, preseason games. They, they needed more exhibition games out there. They, they really needed more practice. And they did not look good at all. If anything saves them, it's probably the second game for them of the season. So they have time. They've got plenty of time to improve. But I have to ask the question, outside of what we see from Steph Curry, who's going to carry that torch for Klay Thompson being gone? And we could come up with a number of names. You know, they brought in Kelly Oubre, and and then they have uh, James Wiseman, who's their second overall pick in the draft. And then they've got guys that can shoot the ball. But there's no replacing a Klay Thompson. Say what it say what you want. It will make the difference if this Warriors team can be that good or even that great to defeat an LA Laker team that basically restructured the team around, of course, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And moving forward, this is what the LA Lakers are going to be. They're going to be that revolving team. Similar to what we probably saw with the New England Patriots when Tom Brady year after year to pay cuts to decide on if they're going to bring better talent into the team and evolve around Tom Brady. And they did that for 20 years. So you got to believe what time we have left with LeBron James is going to be the same thing. When LeBron James leaves, it'll be Anthony Davis's team and what that team will do. And, 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 And truth be told, this team will probably get younger. And given how long LeBron James stays with the team, I think he signed a two-year extension uh, a few weeks ago. Depending on how that team looks moving forward, they could actually become that New England Patriot team in basketball centered around their superstars. Right now, it's LeBron and Anthony Davis. But for what they did against the Mavs, I, I wasn't impressed by the win. Because I see, I think that the Mavs itself, they're a team that's on the outside looking in as far as talent goes. I don't see any, I don't see anything extraordinary about the Mavs outside of what Luka Doncic continues to do game after game after game. But they still need another play. They, they seem like a playmaker, an all star that could um, mirror what Luka Doncic does on the court, and and that will be seen hopefully throughout the season. And you look at what the Nets did. I got to say, the Nets, I'm going to say it now tonight, ladies and gentlemen, the Nets could be the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Now, I'm sure a number of people are saying, yeah, come on, Kamish, we know this. But given what we probably would have expected from Kevin Durant, I wasn't expecting that much from other players, other role players that will help out Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. 
and Jared Allen and Joe Thomas and Dinwiddle and Lavert out there on the court. This this collection of guys, including head coach Steve Nash, this team could upset some people. They could they could <laughs> so what they did with the Celtics. Outside of adding Tristan Thompson to this team and a few rookies, the Celtics is still the same team. Given that Kemba didn't play, it's amazing that the, the Nets just destroyed the Celtics. Put up 123 points on the Celtics, and the Celtics is probably one of the better defensive teams in the league. But yes, it's a new season. So now you got to wonder what kind of team are the Celtics going to be? It's too early to say. Just like it's too early to say what kind of team the Pelicans are going to be, what, what kind of team the Nuggets are going to be. And I've said this last summer, this Nuggets, you got to keep an eye on the Nuggets. As long as you got Jamal Murray and, and, and Luca, and Luca, not Luca, um, Doncic, not Doncic, uh, Jokic. <laughs> I forgot my man's name, Jokic, the Joker. As long as you got these guys on the team, th- this team could be unstoppable. They could be an unstoppable. They, they didn't do well against the Clippers, obviously. That, that Clippers team looks pretty loaded as well. But, you know, for these teams in the West, it's so wide open. And I've said that the Phoenix the Phoenix Suns is not to be taken lightly. And you can throw in the Nuggets and you can throw in uh, a number of other teams from the West that I've lost contact with. It's just the fact that for what this season looks like moving forward, there's no clear indication of who's going to take it all. It's just the fact that you have so much talent that's spread out now. And it really becomes a question of how the NBA is going to look within a few weeks or dare I even say halfway, maybe sometime in February, how that will all pan out going into the second half of the season. So I'm just as excited about that. I will talk more about the NBA as time goes on. So says the commission. I want to talk about the NFL while I have time. Actually, you know what? I want to talk about the BCS rankings and the BCS bowls as we speak. Because right now, as much as I talk about change being good, what the BCS committee did wasn't good at all. Change is good, but this this kind of change stunk. You know, going into last week when we saw Notre Dame play Clemson and, and Notre Dame got their butts rocked by Clemson, I said to myself, you know, whoever that fourth team is has to replace Notre Dame for the team that they're just not. They, they're not a good team. They're not. And I don't care what anybody else says. Notre Dame, in spite of the record, in spite of the fact they were undefeated, this was their time to show the world that they were not the Notre Dame of old and they disappointed us again. They played against Clemson for what might have been maybe the third time in the last three years and they still got smacked up to the same team. Only put up 10 points. They're, they, not to take away from what talent is on the Notre Dame team, they don't have an answer for these powerhouse teams. They don't have an answer for Alabama. They don't have an answer for Clemson. I doubt if they would have an answer for Ohio State if they were to play Ohio State, and in spite of the fact that they only played six games. So why would Notre Dame be the fourth seed 
going into this BCS rankings again. Why, why would they be in the, in the hunt for the title? You mean to tell me that Texas A&M couldn't be the fourth seed? You mean to tell me a team like Cincinnati that had a phenomenal year couldn't be in the ranking? You mean to tell me a team like Coastal, Canal, Coastal, Coastal Carolina? Shout out to the, the Chanticleers. Of Coast County, they just lost to Liberty. I know, but this team was undefeated, defeated BYU. The point I'm trying to make here is this: in spite of what the, in spite of what the committee wants to see, and what other players and people and fans and, and the committee members want to see, it's an injustice if you just want to just juggle the same four teams to play for a championship. What does that say for the other hundreds of colleges out there that go through their season, of which they have no control over, to have an undefeated season or just a great season to turn around and have the committee say, you know what, we appreciate what you've done, but you're no match for Alabama. We know you're no match for Ohio State. We know you're no match for Clemson and you're no match for Notre Dame. Thus, you cannot be in the rankings. Because when the last four teams are selected, even if you are undefeated, it really shows that you're just not a good team in spite of what your records show. And, you know, interesting enough, Dabo Sweeney rated the Ohio State Buckeyes 11th in the coaches' rankings. And the statement is clear as a bell, and I agree with him 100%. As good as Ohio State is, you've got teams that have played a full season of football and in spite of maybe one or two losses, are not even thought about to be in the running for the BCS rankings. Not even thought about being in the running for the BCS championship. What does that say if you're an Ohio State team that plays half of a season and still has an opportunity to play a for a championship? What fairness is that for the other teams that exist, especially the teams that are in D1, the, be it the Power Five conferences, what have you? So you mean to tell me if USC were to win against Oregon, that they would be in the running for the BCS championship? So you mean to tell me they couldn't have a shot? Texas A&M's only loss was to Alabama, yet they, they can't have another chance at redemption against Alabama. It's, it's just, what is the thought process moving forward when we talk about the BCS rankings and the BCS championship? It's crap. It's, it's, it's such, it's, it's unbelievable how we as people try to find a way to make money by basically dragging these teams, dragging these conferences, dragging whatever players they are through the mud during a time of COVID, mind you, to try to find the best four teams to play for a championship. And the only four teams we really want to see are the same four teams every season. Whether they play five games, whether they play 10 games, it's just, it's a disappointment. It is disappointing to me. I'm sure it's disappointing to a lot of other people that have spent years of watching college bas uh, college football in a time like this where you think your team is the best team or one of the best teams at a chance of playing for a championship series and they don't make the cut.
And there's no explanation outside of the fact that we don't want to see this team play against what we believe are the best teams in college football. Give me a break. Give me a break. We can prepare, any team can prepare for another team if given the time to go up against a team like Alabama, a team like Clemson, or even a team like Ohio State, where you feel as though we have a chance to defeat these guys. And that's what we're looking for, just a chance, an opportunity to say this this team, this institution, this organization can be as successful as an Alabama, as a Notre Dame, as a Clemson. Because for what we see in Notre Dame, anybody could have played Clemson and got their butts knocked off. But it's still the fact that it was Notre Dame that played Clemson and got shellacked. So what difference would it make if any other team were to go up against Clemson and get shellacked? It's the fact that Clemson is one of the best teams in the land. Alabama is one of the best teams in the land. It just so happens that Ohio State is one of the best teams in the land. But give other organizations, other institutions an opportunity to show that they could possibly be one of the best teams in the land. And you won't do it. So for that, I just said, man, forget it. Forget what it is you're trying to feed us. Forget what it is you're trying to persuade the fans. You're trying to persuade the alumni. What you're trying to persuade everybody else there that's been following college football for years. It's still the fact that what you want to see are the same four teams every season. So what does that mean? If I guess if you're in the conference with these teams, outside of putting targets on their backs, it's more so the fact that outside of what you can recruit, you do your darndest to make sure that your team plays the best season of football with any chance of going far, even if it means beating the brakes off a Clemson team, an Alabama team, or an Ohio State team. So says the commission. Let me spend the, my last few minutes talking about the NFL because we're going into week 16. This is crunch time. This is crunch time in the fourth quarter, figuratively speaking. And we're looking at teams now playing on Saturdays to get an understanding of where they will be ranked, where they'll be placed in the playoffs. So far, two teams have clinched a spot in the playoffs. Shout out to the New Orleans Saints in their victory over the Minnesota Vikings on Friday. And shout out to... Who played earlier? Shout out to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, the Buccaneers of Tampa Bay clinched a playoff spot. Not that anybody would be shocked by that news. I don't. I, I, I'm sitting here tonight, and I'm letting you know now that I couldn't see how Tampa Bay was not going to clinch, especially though they had to play Detroit. If they were to lose to Detroit, there would be hell to pay going into the last week of football. But uh, it's it's still the fact that for where Tampa Bay is and for where they've been over the last two seasons, where they are now, they're on pace to do and make history. And they started with Tom Brady. And I'm sure this time next year, we're going to see a lot more improvement. They've, they've got their work cut out for them for the playoffs. And I'm wishing them all the best. I wanted them to clinch, but they didn't clinch the division. That was the Saints that did so Friday. Alvin Kamara, stand up, brother. You, you, you can get a shout out tonight because you put up six touchdowns against that horrible, deplorable 
Vikings defense. That defense, that coordinator should be ashamed of themselves. The fact that I didn't hear anybody getting fired is shameful in itself. That was horrible. With a chance for you guys to at least make a chance or find a chance at going into the playoffs and you put up this type of performance on television on Christmas, you should be ashamed of yourselves. I don't know what's going to happen to the coach Zimmer, but I got to believe with this organization, they are in flux. They don't know what to do with themselves. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins can only do but so much, and he's not necessarily the saving grace. He's not like what he was in Washington. That's evident. But it's still the fact that, you know, for what Dalvin Cook did this year, what Justin Jefferson did this year, and Thielen and, and, and Irv Smith and some other guys on that offense, they had a hell of a year. And, 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 and you know, it's unfortunate they had to end it the way that they did. But that team is in turmoil. They, they've got to do something with that defense tomorrow. And, you know, looking at the Las Vegas Raiders, they're in the same boat. For what anybody saw that game tonight against the Miami Dolphins, that was horrible. This is not the first time they've lost a game in the closing minutes of the game. It, it, this is probably their third game. They've lost the last five out of six games. And, it, you know, given the Hail Mary against that Jets game, it would have been six straight losses. This team that should have been in the hunt for the playoffs really ruined it for themselves. It, it really leaves the question of what this Raiders team do. What the hell happened to them? And it's it's I mean you see it and you see them implode, and it's amazing that this team had an opportunity to go to the playoffs and was in the hunt for the playoffs and lost it. But on any given Sunday, even on any given Saturday, things like this can happen. But congratulations to Miami for the win. Uh, it looks like Flores looks like he's going to end up being coach of the year. It's too early to say, but I did have him as one of the coaches that I like for coach of the year. And that could actually pay dividend after this win against the Las Vegas Raiders and what they do against the Bills next week. Week 16 schedule goes a little something like this. We are looking at uh, this is going to probably be the best week of football, I would think moving forward and i think it goes without saying that when you look at where we are now with this schedule it's going to get tighter it's going to get closer a lot on the line for these teams uh excuse me uh atlanta at kansas city uh i'm not going to spend a lot of time on these teams i think by now we know what we're looking at with kansas city atlanta doesn't have a shot give me kansas city against atlanta cleveland at the jets now, Cleveland doesn't have four receivers playing on Sunday. They don't have four receivers due to COVID. Amazing. Four receivers, that, including Jarvis Landry, will not be playing against the Jets. Can the Jets win two straight? Uh, will they tank the game to try to get a chance at Trevor Lawrence? Who knows? But until they do something against that Cleveland defense, give me Cleveland against the Jets. Indianapolis at Pittsburgh. P Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is falling apart before our very eyes. They are disintegrating as we speak. It's amazing what's happened to Pittsburgh. I like the Colts only because I think that that defense is going to put a lot of pressure on Roethlisberger and may take him out the game. I don't wish it, but I see it coming. Give me the Colts over the Steelers. Chicago at Jacksonville. Chicago's knocking on playoffs door. And, and for what happened today with Arizona losing to San Francisco, I like Chicago's chances at beating Jacksonville at Jacksonville. 
the New Orleans, the, excuse me, the New York Giants, the New York Giants at Baltimore. Uh-oh. I say uh-oh because Baltimore knows what they need to do and the Giants know what they need to do. Who's going to be victorious? Unless they stop Lamar Jackson from running the ball for 2,000 yards in that game, give me Baltimore against the Giants. Cincinnati at Houston. Uh, it's a coin toss, but I like Houston only because Houston plays they, the, the record speaks different, but let's face it. Deshaun Watson is still Deshaun Watson. He's still a great quarterback. Give me Houston over Cincinnati. Denver at the Chargers. Go Chargers, go. Let's see what Justin Herbert does against Denver in week 16. Give me the Chargers over the Broncos. We've got Carolina at Washington. That'd be a great game. It's going to be exciting to watch. I'm telling you that right now. Give me Washington because they know they need to win at least one game to solidify a spot in the playoffs. Philadelphia at Dallas. That's going to be another great game. These NFC East games are always good around this time of the year. And for what Philly could do against Dallas, they can actually have a great game. But Dallas understands what's at stake as well. And it's in Dallas. Give me Dallas against Philly. The Rams of Los Angeles against the Seattle Seahawks. The Rams have the Seattle, Se Seattle Seahawks number. They have their number. I'm telling you right now, I don't care if they're in Seattle. Give me the Rams against Seattle. We have Tennessee at Green Bay in the Sunday night game. We know it's at stake for both teams. Both teams are going to be in the playoffs. I think if this is going to be for anything, this is just to solidify the number one seed in the NFC. So I got to believe Green Bay understands what's at stake. Give me Green Bay against Tennessee. And then you got Buffalo at New England in the Monday night game. Give me Buffalo all day, all night, even going into the playoffs. Don't care who they play. Buffalo looks good. Josh Allen looks good good and that is the schedule for week 16 of the nfl schedule again i am the commish you've been listening to the kneel down podcast i still want to say happy holidays to everybody i hope everyone gets to enjoy what's left of this weekend going into the new year peace and love i'm out